Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. In the Gun, episode 144. It's time to talk uh, to one of the guys conducting and instructing behind the scenes for the Mountaineers. It's the Drew Fabianich episode here on ITG. I am Wesley Euler. I've got the best teammates in the business. We got the beer truck down the sideline himself, Big Owen Schmidt, and the signal caller, Jed Drenning. And as always, this episode of ITG brought to you in part by, brought to you in part by pardon me, I'm so excited I can hardly get the words out, our friends at Bet Online where the game starts. Listen, uh, they're saying, gentlemen, between 27 and $28 billion are going to be wagered on the Super Bowl this this weekend, which is just an insane number if you think about it. Uh, bet online for all of your uh, all your big game needs if you're getting into the action on Sunday. Uh, this is going to be an action-packed episode, ladies and gentlemen. I mentioned Drew Fabianich. He is the... Uh, GM, the director of scouting for the Mountaineers, and what a guy to talk to uh, this time of year. And really, uh, while they're in the process of building this roster and gearing everything up, of course, for the fall of 2024. And then just to talk about Drew again, or, or talk to Drew, I should say, about the scope of just roster management, roster building, the ever-changing landscape that is college football in the transfer portal and the NIL era. Uh, Jed, I know you're fired up for this one. Uh, you know Drew. You've worked you know, a little bit with Drew, and, uh, and this should be some, some good conversation for us to sink our teeth into. Guys, I'm, I'm terribly excited about this. Drew is, uh, again, a good friend down on the, the world's coolest sports bar, which is the West Virginia sidelines, right? So uh, we get to compare notes throughout the balance of a game. He's a fascinating guy uh, to talk to. Uh, talk to a buddy of mine this week. He's excited that we're interviewing Drew. That's a former receiver at West Virginia, uh, you know, Chaz Fedorko. And Chaz made a good point. He said, when I listen to that guy talk, when I read about what that guy has to say, two words come to mind, institutional knowledge. And that's exactly what Drew is. Drew brings so much value to the table. He's the first ever general manager in the history of West Virginia football. That's something we're going to get into him uh, and, and discuss. What is a GM? What is it in, at the college level compared to the NFL level? There's just so much to talk about. Individual and specific personnel discussions, big picture college football stuff. Uh, he is an absolute wealth of knowledge, long time in the NFL with the Cowboys, long time college coach. So he just brings a ton of knowledge, Owen. Yeah, now, big, I'm excited to ask him a, a couple I was, questions. I was just going to, yeah, I was going to say, Big O, this is going to be like the opposite of the uh, the Charles episode, right? Where Jed, Jed only asked a few questions and you and I were kind of, this is going to be, I tell you what, Jed, Jed's fired up and ready to go on this one. Mr. Oh, Jimmy no, Kimmel, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, See, that you crazy. Come on ITG? Yeah. Dude, yeah. From, from ITG to Kimmel, I mean, he's absolutely yeah. blowing up. Uh, so happy for, I mean, that was a pretty cool episode with Charles last week. Uh, really great catching cool. up. Had a lot of fun. And like you said, Wes, I know tonight, uh, you know, I can I can almost see uh, Jed over there licking his chops uh, oh, to get this one rolling. He's like, he's like a kid on Christmas, baby. He just wants to tear I mean, into this are, present. Drew, Drew and I are kindred football spirits. I mean, he's another guy that just eats it, lives it, breathes it. Uh, and just a, a terribly fascinating guy fun personality uh you've probably heard him 
do some media. He's been on Tony's show a couple times, even earlier this week. So he's and and guess what? Pretty soon you'll hear him on Redskin podcast because you know his old buddy is now the head coach for the uh, Washington Commanders. So he's making his rounds. He has. Uh, some opportunities here in February. So he's on tour too, just like we've had Charles last week. Well, well, Drew's on tour right now in February. That's hilarious. Well, we are going to uh, continue our our fun off-season string of guests here with Drew on the other side. Uh, I will once again, like we did with Charles, I want to thank all of our sponsors up front here just because we don't know where this is going to go and don't want to have to uh, to kill any conversation. So a big shout-out, as always, to our guy JR and Toothman Ford. We all know cars cost less in Grafton. Uh, I tell you what, they're helping Drew make his job easier by all that NIL support that they're giving our student-athletes. So a big shout-out to Toothman, as always. A big thank you to our friends at Fortis, who have been rocking and rolling with us for a few seasons now for roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. you got to check it. Check out Fortis.us. Dot com And then our newest friend of the program here as well, too, Johnson Equipment. We know they have that new location, uh, Route 33, right outside of Weston. So make sure you're showing some love to, uh, to Johnson Equipment for all of your needs there as well, too. All right, gentlemen, let's take a break. We got Drew with us in the waiting room. We will bring him in on the other side. Let's get into it. You are in the gun. Nobody supports the Blue and Gold Mountaineers like Toothman Ford. With over 20 NIL deals and counting, Toothman Ford continues to rally behind our student athletes. And it's time we rally and support the dealer that supports the Mountaineers. Not only does Toothman Ford offer the best prices in the state on pre-owned, their never-over MSRP campaign on new Fords guaranteed to, to save you thousands. thousands. Drive with pride all season long, knowing you're supporting the dealer that fuels our Mountaineers. Toothman Ford, where cars cost less. In Grafton and at ToothmanFord.com for more West Virginia Mountaineer football content, be sure to follow us on Twitter at In the Gun Podcast. For nearly 20 years, Fortis has been the nation's leader in providing guaranteed roof performance programs for commercial buildings. Fortis offers roof performance solutions that feature extensive initial and ongoing reconditioning for commercial buildings as an alternative to traditional replacement with long-term performance guarantees that are backed by global leader Lloyds of London. Fortis offers a comprehensive range of roof performance management programs that provide financial security, extend the life of our customers' roofs, and make a significant impact on ROI. Fortis is currently improving performance and increasing ROI for customers at more than 4,800 locations. With more than 140 million square feet protected, including many Fortune 500 companies that have turned to Fortis to save money, gain financial certainty, and extend the life of their existing roofs. Fortis has helped customers save more than $520 million in capital roof replacement costs for an average ROI of over 250%. To learn more, visit Fortis.us.com. Fortis, roof performance and financial certainty guaranteed. If you work the land, you just got to be a jack-of-all-trades type. There's just too much to do. So if you got to be a welder or a farmer or a ditch digger, that's just who you are that day. And tomorrow, you can be somebody else. Get your coyote at the new location of Johnston Equipment between Weston and Buckhannon. 
back in the gun here, and I tell you what, on our uh, our tour of off-season A-listers, here's another great one for you. Ladies and gentlemen, Drew Fabianich, he is the general manager and director and uh, director of scouting for the WVU football program. Uh, Drew, I know it's a bit, I mean, all year when you work in sports, when you work in football is a busy time of year, but I know you guys are uh, a lot going on right now with, with building that roster, managing that roster, getting ready for the upcoming season. So thank you uh, for taking the time here to join us. We really appreciate it, oh. and welcome to ITG. I appreciate it. And to put it this way, I'll do anything I can to, you know, promote, you know, WVU football, you know, no matter how it is, no matter what angle it is. I mean, because I know what this place can be, and I'm going to try to bring it to that place. Love to hear it. Uh, I think we've already taken some of those steps, Owen, right? Yeah, man, that's great to hear. So let's start with this. The burning question would seem to be, it was just a short couple years ago, Drew, that you were part of, for a long time, one of the biggest brands behind the shield. You were in the NFL for 18 years, the most successful brand in the history of the planet. You Mm -hmm. left that into the uncharted waters of college football Right in the middle, when, when when a lot of people are leaving college football to go to the NFL because of the craziness at the college level, you did the reverse. You said, you know what? I'm going to take the other path. I'm going to dive into college football and see if I can't do something to help manage this craziness and make the most of us. Talk to us about that decision, leaving the Dallas Cowboys, you know, two years ago to go, go to Auburn before you landed at West Virginia. You know, it came to the point where, you know, I was there for 18 years and I spent 14 of it as a national scout. And, you know, I averaged around 65 flights, you know, during that year. And most of it was packed in from the start of August till Thanksgiving. And it got to be where it was absolutely a beating, um, being in a flight almost every single night, dropping the rental car off, doing the reports. I mean, it just didn't fit anymore and i didn't want to continue to do the same thing because again it it seemed like groundhog day to me i mean i knew where i was going at the same day every single year i knew which flight i was going on in the combine and then when i was going back you know the only thing that changed was the players um and i wasn't home and it wasn't fair to my wife you know because i mean i tried to set up everything i could you know to help her while i was gone but i was still gone and there's some things that needed to be taken care of. And, you know, it, you know, she brought it up to me. It, it was selfish. You know, it truly was. And, you know, me getting out of it was because I got so tired of spending my life in a hotel room, which, you know, I think I told you this, Jed. I mean, in 18, in 18 years, I spent 13 and a half of it in a hotel room. I looked at my Bonvoy membership and it was something like 5,499 nights in a, in a Marriott. And that's not even counting the, the Hiltons that I stayed in when I couldn't get a Marriott or whatever or other hotels. And, you know, it just didn't, it just didn't fit anymore. And, you know, it wasn't me that decided about college football. It was, you know, cause I was going to stay in the NFL. I just didn't want to do the same thing that I was doing, you know, for 14 straight years. Um, you know, Brian Parson called and asked me to come to Auburn. And he said, let's run with this. Let's try to make this something that's different. He said, because this thing's changing every day. And he said, what I want you to help me do is manage the roster, handle the recruiting, handle the transfer portal, 
you know, manage things that I don't have time for because I need to coach. And a lot of these guys don't have time to coach because they don't have somebody that they can trust with, you know, handling everything that I handle. Um, you know, and my, and the biggest thing I said, even to him and to Neil, I said, I want to be able to make you guys coach ball and worry about coaching ball. I'll handle everything else. And that's the long and short of it. So I hope I answered that question. Oh, you sure did. And, and so that ends after a year. You had a long standing. That ended up after five months. Five months. Okay. Even yes. okay. Even yes. more specific. Yes. You've known Brian Harson forever since he was back on Mac Brown's staff at Texas. You had a lot of history with him, right? Well, well so, not a lot of history, no. I mean, put it this way, we weren't like we weren't buddies or anything like that. But Brian and I continued to talk, you know, from the point where I went, Mac asked me to come in and visit with their staff. And I got to know Brian when he was down there and he kind of just kept following up, you know, when he was at Arkansas State and then when he was Boise and we talked maybe like once every other year or something like that. Yeah. And it was more like, you know, Hey, what do you think about this? You know, what do you think about that? And I'd give him my thoughts. No, really what, really what twisted him was Kellen Moore because Kellen was with me with Cowboys. And he said, you know, Drew's available. He said, no, I didn't know. And that's when he called me. So that's actually, how that of course, there being Brian Harson was at Boise with Kellen Moore. Yeah. He would know he was actually Kellen's quarterback coach and coordinator, okay. you know, with okay. uh with okay. Peterson. So that's that's how that whole thing happened. Yeah. Okay, so you, you ended up leaving Auburn after that blows up. Mm -hmm. You ended up you landed at West Virginia. Okay, there was a connection between the agents. Uh, mm -hmm. I think Neil shares an agent with Brian Harson. Is that, is that correct. correct? Okay. Correct. But there's, it's not like a guy with your pedigree, with your background, wasn't going to have other offers coming his way. So what was it initially out of the gates that appealed to you about what Neil Brown and West Virginia had to offer at that juncture last summer? Well, you know, it was, it was odd because I had, I had turned down a job, you know, like two months previous. Um, we were actually on vacation in, in Florida um, you know, at my wife's place with their folks. And, you know, well, right before that, I digress just a little bit. Brian called me and says, hey, you interested in West Virginia? I said, well, what do they have? And he said, well, I don't really know for sure, but it might be kind of the same role that, you know, you and I kind of put together at Auburn. I said, okay. And he said, you know, Neil may call you pretty soon. Well, we take off to Florida and start our vacation and he calls me and says hey is like july 3rd okay in the afternoon right and i'm like okay sure right well i'll come to find out he was on vacation too right okay. and i thought that was impressive i really did because the time that these coaches have i mean is so few and far between and yeah he kind of let me know that this was important and he wanted to know what kind of role, you know, I thought it was and what kind of role he thought it was going to be. And we kind of um, shape shifted it a little bit yeah. and kind of made it, you know, kind of the best for both of us to really help him. Um, you know, and we spent probably an hour and a half on the phone and then he brought me up probably a week later after he got back. Um, I met with the administration, look for a place to live just to, <laughs> because again, you don't have time to bounce back and forth. You need to look as fast as you can and, you know, found a place and got back. Then he flew me back up after 
they offered me the job and did the retreat and then went back. And actually my wife had been packing like unmercifully for like three or four weeks. Right. And as soon as I got back, I think we had the movers there like two days later and we were up here two days later. And I got here right before camp started. I mean, like two days before camp started. So you met Neil right about the time. And this, I, I have to no, mention I, this. No, he met, was finding I, out we were 14th in the preseason conference <laughs> picks. Well, uh -huh. here, no, here's the thing. I met, I met Neil when he was the receiver coach at Troy. Oh, okay. okay. And I think I was there for, um, trying to remember, Leotis McKelvin, I think, was the corner that ended up playing safety, right, in the league for about five or six yep. years. Yep. Right. Um, but he was the pro liaison then. So I met him, okay. but we didn't really recall each other until we kind of saw each other again, you know, in person. And he was like, oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we spent a little <laughs> bit of time together, right? Um, but, but, yeah, I didn't I put it this way. I didn't have a clue. And, and, again, it really didn't matter because the reason, the reason why I took it was because of the people in the building. You know, I mean, he seemed really, really genuine, uh, really, really, really intelligent. Um, you know, not everybody I checked with said he was a hell of a ball coach and put a good staff together and they're building it the right way. They said it wasn't, wasn't good when he got here, which it wasn't because I only came here once while he was the head coach. And it was to look at, um, I think it was Letty Brown. Is that right? Running back. Okay. Yep. Letty Brown. Yep. And, and he was, a, and he was a late round draft pick. And I was like, okay, well, I normally don't come for a late round guy. Um, but I'd been here probably 10 times in 18 years, you know, I mean, to see guys that were, that were higher draftable guys than that. Um, because I couldn't, I couldn't go everywhere, Jed. There's no way you can't go. You can't in person see everybody. It's impossible. So you have really to kind of, you kind of have to hit your, uh, you know what I'm saying? You got to be real precise about where you're going and why you're going. Let's hit the plot line now. This is this is the key. I, I think when we discuss what your role actually is, how you and Neil decided to define it, it it's really a new frontier on the college landscape. It's been going on forever uh, on the NFL front. Of course, in the NFL, for those who don't know, the major responsibilities of a general manager, correct me if I'm wrong here, Drew, uh, obviously it involves hiring and dismissing coaches. That's one of the fundamental differences. But you're leading the scouting department. You you handle free agents and the transactions, the signings, and who you're not going to resign. You handle contract negotiations. You handle trades. So when you were establishing what this would in fact look like in a game that doesn't have quote unquote general managers, because here's what I want to ask you: What is your role? What did you define it as? You and Neil. And then let's go through that. Now we're in Power Four college football instead of Power Five. Out of sixty some odd teams. How many do you guess might have what's called a general manager? And then more importantly, how many are probably just glorified recruiting coordinators that slapped another title on that are really just recruiting coordinators? I'm not dismissing anything recruiting coordinators do, but there's a different a different skill set involved with being an actual general manager. Talk about all that. Well, I don't, you know, I know there's probably about probably anywhere from eight to 10 that have the title now. Um, I don't know all of their backgrounds. Um, you know, I can tell you the guys in the past, you know, like Alonzo Highsmith just left Miami to go back to the New England Patriots. Right. 
well, he had 18 years in the NFL, right, in the front office and, you know, over the top, just, you know, like I did. Um, you know, Bob Weldon down in Alabama had, I think, probably five or six years in the NFL. Um, you know, there's guys around that have some pro background. Um, you know, I don't know a lot of them have pro background plus the coaching. Um, I know a lot of them have kind of worked their way up, you know, through the system. And, you know, some of them are recruiting directors and, you know, this and that, um, you know, and I'll, I'm not saying they, they're not doing what I'm doing, but, you know, they're not because they're not doing, you know, advances. They're not breaking down the roster. They're not doing individual reports for players. You know, they're not going over, you know, mismatches, you know, and things like that. Um, and trying to develop the players, you know, because really they're, and again, I, I don't know that for a fact, but I would be willing to bet against it. Okay. There has to be guesswork. I mean, again, not a lot of people have done this. So let's, we're going to get into some film study stuff, but let's talk about just so people out there understand what exactly it is. I mean, you and I speak the shorthand. Owen speaks the shorthand. Wes speaks the shorthand. Not everybody speaks the shorthand. So even when you talk about individual player reports, what you're talking about there is how you can enhance a West Virginia football player's ability and opportunity to play at the next level. Here's your shortcomings. Here's your strengths. Here's what you need to work at. So I want you to talk about that. And now we can get into the mismatches and the film study. First, talk about that, because that's a critical well, role. When a kid comes here, that's that's the brass ring they're often trying to capture. They want to play in the league. They get an education, but play in the league. Well, and see, they didn't they didn't know that until, you know, I did a presentation, you know, in early August, what I was going to be doing. Um, when I first got here, I broke down every single player on the roster in August. And really what it is, Jed, guys, I mean, it, it's, it's a positive, it's a negative, but it's also what they can improve on and how they can improve on it from taking that negative and turning it into a positive. And not everybody's going to play in the NFL. I mean, 1.5% make it in the NFL. But, you know, I can identify the flaws and I'm the unbiased eye because when you coach guys, you truly turn blind to some of their flaws. You just go, oh, he's a little stiff. Ah, okay. You know, well, I'm that guy that says, okay, you need to work on your ankle stiffness. You need to work on your hip stiffness. You need to work on your lateral quicks. You know, you're off balance. You play too far over your toes. I mean, I'm going to tell them. And, <laughs> and I don't just do it in the report. Um, I do it at practice and they call it drive-bys, right? Because oh boy. I'll do a drive-by, <laughs> you know, on a player and I'll say, you know, hey, uh, you know, your pass protection isn't worth a, you know, um, you need to learn how to slide. You need to know how to get your hand placement. You need to be a little bit more firm, right? And I'll just walk away, right? And, you know, and again, I'll say it a little bit more colorful sometimes, but I'll also be really, really short about it too. Like that's not good enough. You know, hey, you're not pushing it like you should. Um, you know, you're overweight. Uh, you need to lose weight. You need to get, you know, you need to work on your foot speed. I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna blow them up really, really quickly. And they know that. I told them, I said, look, I said, don't be afraid of the truth. Because all I'm here for is to, to take those negatives and try to turn them into positives. And I said, so don't take it as, you know, criticism. Okay. Take it as something you can learn from. And yeah, I can get nasty at times. I mean, I, I admit that, but I can also be very forthcoming about everything that I can help them with. So um, that's the part that I did in August. And 
So what I do every single game is I go through everybody that plays in the game. And what I do is I take notes on all those players that play. Um, then I review those with Coach Brown on Sunday. And, you know, we just go through every single person that played. And what I, what I take from that is that helps me with the fall report for when I put those fall reports together because I keep those notes throughout every week. And then I review them, I put them together, and it makes my life easier after the fall. Um, I think it also helps Coach Brown to understand what I'm seeing because one of the coaches said yesterday, I'm different than, you know, when you go out and recruit a young man. Because when you go out and recruit a young man, you look for the positives and what they can do, right? He said, said, when you're scouting, he said, when you're working to get the best of the best in the NFL, he said, all you're doing is looking for the negatives, (laughs) right? And I said, yeah, that's right. I said, and I'm punching holes in everybody. Um, And I will tell you what Lane Stewart calls me, right? He calls me the Reaper. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he goes every time I walk down the hall he's hey Reaper how you doing you know because I'm <laughs> you know I'm chopping people up but I think that's valuable because you know I'm the unbiased person and you know again I didn't recruit them well I mean I'm going to recruit a lot of them you know and you know they will be important to me too but I also let them know that I'm going to be very very honest with them very oh when you hear the oh when you hear the tough love dimension yeah. of drew here what do you think when you hear that Owen? one i mean you've been you've been through w you've been through the league i mean you've received that kind of coaching you received that kind of feedback right i think as a player if you want to be successful you have to take constructive criticism um and it's got to be light like i love that you kind of said you kind of it really depends on the personality i i i i'm i know of that for 100 percent. you know what i mean it to to where you can kind of like really bust chops but you know the people you can push. I mean, you're just based, you know, and I love that because it's really teaching them the young men that want to get to that next level. That's what it's going to be like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, you know, th- this is what's going to be expected. Um, yes. So, you, you know, it's a whole nother element. Um, and Drew and I, we, we, we've met before we, we talked a little bit. Um, I was um, a few beers deep, uh, <laughs> you know, no, no. Um, when I first had met him, but I'm, I am so intrigued by the job because I think it's such an, you know, it's in today's game, in the college game, that's always evolving, always changing. Uh, You're kind of a guy who's coming in with a ton of experience and being able to get ahead of the game a little bit. In my opinion, I almost feel like it's, 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 it's great. And I'm glad you're here. What are the methods, um, you know, to the madness as far as how the rules are always ever evolving. I mean, are, is that, are those things that always can be considered? Well, they have to be considered because I mean, the rules change every five minutes and, you know, again, it changed when that ruling came down from the judge up in Wheeling about the two basketball players. And I know that he had no thought other than, you know, Hey, what's the ruling on these two young men? but it opened up Pandora's box. And now that it's so open to where they can transfer anytime they want, your roster management is totally changed now. And you have to be well aware, like, let's just say I'm going into the spring and say, oh, you know, um, I need, 
I need a fullback. I need a tight end. I need, uh, you know, a defensive end and two corners. Well, that may change because who knows? I mean, somebody else may walk, right? So I've got to be prepared to evaluate those guys as fast as possible to get somebody else to replace them, which is totally wrong. I mean, but it's just the landscape you have to deal with now. And it's not going to change anytime soon. The thing that I have an issue with is these young men don't deal with any adversity whatsoever. None. And as soon as it gets tough, as soon as it gets hard, you know, they're out. They both. You know, yeah. And I think that this game prepares you for life because it's a hard game. I mean, it's a violent, hard game. And it teaches you, you know, how to survive. Well, if you never have to fight, you know, and get through something, well, what happens when something goes bad in your life later on, you know, when you're working or, you know, what happens if you get cancer? What happens if, you know, your, your parents die? I mean, they're prepared for nothing because, yeah. first of all, they're entitled when they come in. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, you know, I got yelled at. I'm out. You know, I'm yeah. second team. I'm out. You know, guess what? I was second team at one point, you know, and guess what? I fought to be a, a first teamer later on, you know, and I felt like I earned something, you know. So that's that's my issue with, you know, the part of college football right now it's just too easy to quit and that's that's bothersome to me so absolutely I, I kind of digressed and i'm sorry I, I no not at all hey i no. i love no. this because i mean in my opinion i can see that i mean like you said where where is the adversity anymore i mean it, it's just in where can i get a bigger deal now when i when mm-hmm. i leave this one place to go you know whose pockets are deeper it's it's just I agree with you a hundred percent. It doesn't teach these kids, you know, what's after life. But you know, what's funny though, is, is they don't look at it long-term either. I mean, it's like, Hey, I make, I may make 50,000 or $75,000 more somewhere else. Well, maybe it's not a good a fit. And then what if you don't play? What if you don't put tape out there? You know, they're not thinking long-term they're just thinking short-term and this is not a short-term thing. Yeah. I mean, you can't think that way. If you do, you'll never develop. I mean, because there's some really, really good things about this place as far as development goes. You know, you're and, part of a, you're right. part of the solution. And what I was saying is, it's the the only way to remedy that with kids so often turning and running from the first sign of adversity is for you to do the impossible, and that is foster this ongoing machine or engine of competition you you keep trying to infuse the roster with more and more talent to breed more and more competition at every position and that way if some kids lift their head up and say hey i gotta get at it well that's gonna happen everywhere right but drew what i wanted to ask you let's let's jump into some some film study here because that's changed so drastically i i always have to smile those little things that on the sideline you lean in and whisper to me, hey, do you notice this and that? I'm thinking, oh, Neil's going to hear that tomorrow. And, and and Drew's version of the film eval, that's one of the nuggets that, that I'm getting to hear right now. But let's talk about the advanced scouting portion of it. You have to put together a two deep. Uh, now, this isn't to be understated. Uh, so that's 44 players, 22 on offense, 22 on defense. You have some assistants who help you. you. Yes, you delegate. But a lot of this is hands-on 
work. Now, it's not the days of the old beta machines. I'm sure you used to log around one of those racks and the tapes. Mm -hmm. It's not even the days of the 16 millimeter. But let's talk about what that looks like to put together. You're always a couple weeks ahead, a couple games ahead, first of all. How much tape do you have to watch to come up with a clean and true two deep 44 players on both sides of the ball to be able to go to Neil and the staff and present it in the sense that here's what they do well, here's some of their deficiencies, here's what we need to avoid, here's what we need to capitalize on. How much tape does that take to watch? Now, even though you can streamline it and watch just third downs, the cutups, whatever it might be, talk about that part of it. You know, I don't, I don't put a number on like how many games it takes. You know, I, I put it actually how I finally get through. And this this will make a lot of sense to you. Um, when I went in and looked at, like, let's just say I went to Ohio State and had 14 players. Well, and eight of them were on defense, right? Well, what I did is I eliminated the bad players early, right? And then I concentrated on the good players, you know, to get a full report on them. Well, this is just the opposite of that, right? I spent a lot more time on the good players to find their holes because those are the ones that are going to be playing a lot more. And then I find the fish and those are the mismatches. Okay. And that too deep is nothing more than I promise you just a one liner of positive negatives and then how to attack that player. Right. And then I'll identify by grade who the mismatches are. Plus, you know, I've got, a, I've got a lot of help. Okay, on the scouting side, because I've got to split up offense and defense and, you know, Davis Vale and Tolbert Nance do, you know, Tolbert does defense, Davis does the offense, and they do a lot of the groundwork for, you know, the particulars about, you know, how the structure of the offense is, how the structure of the defense is, and then they help me, you know, put a lot of things together for that advance for coach, and they actually handle the offense and defensive, you know, advances because I want them to grow and present that to the coaches. I present the whole thing to Neil. Um, but most of the coaches use those two deeps to show those players who they're going to line up against and how to attack them. And then I put the mismatch pages together, you know, for, you know, the offense and defensive side. And then those guys present that to them. Um, but I have a great deal of help. Um, what's funny is I was so deep into the portal stuff when, we were doing the bowl game, right? <laughs> All of a sudden, Neil goes, uh, you're going to do a, an advance for North Carolina? And this was like a week before the game, right? And I went, uh, I can. I said, but you know, that's going to take about two and a half days to do. I mean, it does. It takes about two and a half days to do. Especially when you don't know who's playing. Yeah, and, and, and again, I, I've got a lot of help with that. We weeded through a lot of things to get to those players that, you know, were playing. <laughs> there were some blanks because we really, truly didn't know who they were going to be playing, you know. Um, but it, it is easier to pull up, like, the backups now because you can use pro football focus to actually get reps on those guys. And, you know, there's sometimes you really hope that they are playing some of those backups. You know, yeah. And when they do come in, I'm darn sure telling the offensive defense, "Hey, this guy's in. Here we go." You know. So, like I said, I, I hope I answered that question a little bit. It's not really so. Not really like so, tape, tape. It's more like time, time. 
Okay. That makes, that makes perfect sense. And there's, there's a micro and there's a macro with that. So in other words, yeah. the micro would be, Hey, if they have a, a backup nickel who we can really exploit, maybe he struggled against the seven cut or then Neil takes that and game yep. plans accordingly from a personnel standpoint, or maybe they have a five technique or a backer who struggles laterally against the stretch and et cetera, yep. et cetera. But there's also other components which might involve here's what this opponent happens to do against tempo here's what this opponent happens yes. to do formation to the boundary formation to the sidelines here's how they handle well, you know various motions right no i don't i don't really get into i don't get into really scheme related that's more for the scouting okay account. this okay. is more so that's good to know i really this is personnel destroy, only yes i really go after the the players and i actually like i said i look for the fish and I want to find the fish for the mismatches. And so then by process elimination, what's happening, they're going to take what you give them, which you try and oh, keep yeah. down to a handful of pages, 10, 12 pages, right? And then yeah. they'll they'll take what the, the rest of the staff puts together. And then right. you have this collective effort that is from a team tendency standpoint, from a personnel tendency standpoint. Uh, that, that That's fascinating to me. But, yeah, it's, it's come so long since those days of – you know, one beta tape would cover one half of one side of the ball. It's just it's, yeah. now you have everything at your fingertips from a digital standpoint. All right, let's jump Buddy, into the Jed. This the scouting it. report, man, is the Bible for the week. I mean, it is so invaluable. About the that, amount of work I'm telling you right now, and especially when I got to uh, to the league, I mean, it is invaluable in your research. You know, to to pinpoint all those matchups and be able to focus in and dial in because. A week's a short period of time, especially when, you know, and Drew, you can talk on just a, a, a standard NFL day. It's a long day of football. You know yeah. what I mean? Compiled with lots of film, lots of recurring film, lots of repeater, basically the whole day, you know, just getting the group smaller, you know, you, you, you come together as a team and then you're just a unit and then you're a specialized position and then you're, you know what I mean? So there's there's so much film that's being watched. I mean, I commend you guys tremendously to be able to gather all the data. Like, how many people do you have working like in those avenues? Because, well, really three on three on the scouting side, okay, right to prepare the advance, okay, and then the recruiting side. There's really, you know, four full time, three part time, and then. 10 student interns and then on the scouting side there's six interns okay and those are more for the portal side of it okay to help us identify those guys as fast as possible okay and these guys have, have spent a lot of time and i've spent a, i spent a little bit of time with them i need to spend more time with them you know about how to evaluate traits and how to you know how to look for what we're looking for uh because you know again they don't come into this knowing it they have to be taught and I call it football 101. And I went through, you know, fall practice and watched tape with the whole recruiting staff. And I would just verbally just tell them, okay, he's ankle stiff. He can't bend, you know, you know, this guy doesn't have any core strength. He can't displace guys. And I'm throwing out terms. I mean, and, and one time I said ankle stiff and everybody's like, what's ankle stiff? And I actually had to show them. You yeah. Know, well, they wouldn't know. I, they I, wouldn't I, know. Yeah. yeah. It's not they their fault. Know. It's it's fascinating because now you're really breaking down, you know, how you obviously uh, critique film, which is, you know, the the eye for being able to see the athleticism and the mechanics. You know, you've watched so many players and been able to see what, yeah. you know, kind of your vision for the perfect, you know, athlete, quote unquote, is. 
but uh, some people just can't understand and kind of see that. So it's it's neat hearing you break it down like that. Well, and it, but I'm trying to I'm trying to put that out there to where they make everybody else's job easier. Yeah, because you know then maybe I don't have to watch. Let's just say All there's the 15, 1,500 transfer portal guys. Well, let's yeah. just say those guys just just eliminated 700 of them. So how Basically, do I get a job? <laughs> well, <laughs> most, <laughs> most, 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 of guys, most guys are unpaid. You know? Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, that's how you do what I want. You won't have to free. wait until it's a paid Shit. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you what, Big O, we'll let you. Free. You could be the mascot at the same time, all right? So you can get, oh, a, small, you get a small yeah. stipend yeah. for being the mascot. To, uh, <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Does he have to, does he have to grow a mullet? Yes, 100 percent. I, I still got, I still have good hair. It is grain, but I still have good hair. I was gonna say you just need the touch. You just need the touch of gray in the beard, and then you'll be ready to yeah, roll. His mullet these days is on his chin. That's uh, okay. So, uh, all right. Well, let, let's uh, let, let's talk about this. When when in the NFL, there are times that when somebody's not drafted, uh, I, I was just curious if there was a quick parallel here. You might have to entice or recruit a certain player. The story that comes to mind is about the time you were arriving in Dallas. I think you joined the staff the year that Tony Romo became part of the team out of Eastern Illinois as an undrafted free agent. Well, Tony Romo had a decision to make. He wasn't drafted as a small college quarterback. He was being courted by a couple teams, most notably the Cowboys and uh, the Broncos. Now, the Broncos had Mike Shanahan, quarterback guru, on down the line, but he was also an Eastern Illinois guy from Romo School. So that's what Dallas was up against. Meanwhile, Parcells and Sean Payton had to pitch Tony Romo and sell him on the notion that Dallas was a better fit. You're not drafting him. You're selling him like a recruit. So what I was going to ask you, are there parallels between those types of conversations and the types of conversations that take place when you're selling a program to a high school recruit? Oh, there's no doubt. And even a transfer portal uh, athlete too. There you go. Um, because there, and again, I wasn't privy to the conversations, but I heard the stories afterwards. And then I evaluated him that first year in camp. You know, but the thing that they sold him on was the depth chart and the depth chart in Denver was deeper. And they actually, you know, like you said, they had to fight the whole Shanahan and Eastern Illinois thing. And then Tony made it a very educated decision and said that it's better for me to go to, to Dallas because I can probably make the roster. Right. Because if he can make the roster, then he can grow. He can you know, become what he wanted to be. And you got to do the same thing in high school with the athletes, you got to do the same thing with a transfer portal. I mean, you got to show them. I mean, I've sent out probably four or five depth charts already to transfer portal athletes and say, look, you know, here's what I'm telling you. And now I'm going to show you. And if you want an opportunity to play, don't you think it's better to come in where you only have to beat out two players instead of six when you only have one to two years left? I mean, you have to do that. It's, it parallels it like you wouldn't believe, but you have to, again, <laughs> recruiting is sales. It is. You have to know the product. You have to know what the product is. You have to, to sell the product and you have to be truthful about it because if they come here and they go, hmm, it's really not. Well, guess what? Now they can leave. Yeah. So well it's, it's a double-edged yeah. sword. You have, to, you have to play it, you know, honestly, you do. And some don't. And then some think they're going to be stuck or they paid them enough to keep them around. 
Well, if the kid's smart enough to understand that it's about the long-term money and it's about trying to put tape out there for the NFL, then they'll stick around. But, you know, guess what? If they don't put tape out there, I mean, again, I tell these guys this all the time. When I came into a school, if you weren't on tape, I wouldn't evaluate you. Why would I? I mean, what am I going to evaluate? So the chances of you coming and playing in the NFL when there's zero tape and zero snaps, slim and none. I mean, unless you blow it up at pro day and all of a sudden run a 4-1-3, right? Everybody goes, ooh, yeah. what happened here? But that that rarely ever happens. So I, like I said, I hope I covered no, that absolutely. part of it. Absolutely. And, and the more extensive your tape, the more extensive your opportunity to be seen, case in point, you know, maybe the get of last offseason, last year's cycle was Beanie Bishop. Beanie Bishop jumps onto campus, he parachutes onto campus, and seven months later, he's the 13th consensus All-American in the history of the school at West Virginia. So let's talk about this for a minute. I've heard you discuss Dan Quinn, mm -hmm. recently anointed, freshly minted head coach of the Washington Commanders. He's a longtime coordinator of the Cowboys. When you were on staff with the Cowboys, you worked with Dan Quinn. Uh, you talk about how Dan Quinn and find the strengths of a player, irrespective of what those strengths might be, and find a place for him. That kind of feels like what we did with Beanie Bishop. Are there, there are parallels to be drawn there? Did you see some of that? You weren't here for the acquisition of Beanie, but you were here for while he was being coached and having one of the greatest seasons in the history of West Virginia on the back end. Did you see some of those types of things playing out with Beanie Bishop to get him where he ended up landing? Well, yeah, because uh, again, the, the one thing I can tell you about, about Dan is that rarely do when you bring somebody in, every coach says, Oh, just bring me a, a good player. I'll find a place for him. Right. Never works out. Never. And Dan always had a plan. It was like, okay, he's going to be a big end. He's going to play, you know, 25 snaps a game. Right. He's not going to be a sub guy you know, hey, uh, you know, we're going to take Michael Parsons. He's going to, you know, be a, an inside linebacker and he's also going to be a sub rusher. You know, everybody we talked about was he had a plan for. So we were really comfortable with that. And it made a heck of a lot of sense because if the coach believes that, he's going to put them in that role. And if they're successful in that role, it makes everybody better. But if you don't put him in that role and you try to do something else that he is not capable of doing, then he's not going to be successful. And that's what I was going to say about Beanie Bishop. And I, I can say this, Shadon Brown did an incredible job with Beanie Bishop because Beanie Bishop was doing exactly what Beanie Bishop was good at. He was playing with his eyes. He was playing off. He wasn't out up in press because he's not a long arm guy. He's not long, right? And he used his instincts. And, you know, Shadon did a great job of coaching him. And you know what? Mike Joe did a great job of developing him and putting strength on him and making him a bigger, well, not bigger, but well, thicker and faster athlete. Um, so yes, there's a lot of parallels. And the biggest parallel is don't ask players to do something they cannot do. Right mm, now amen. you can, you can try to, you can try to improve that. Right. And then once you improve that, we'll then put them in that situation, but don't put them in a situation when they're they're incapable of doing it and i'm not saying beanie was incapable of paying playing press but with his length it was better for him to play off right now he went up and pressed he did a good job don't get me wrong but is that something that he's going to hang his hat on and say yeah that's what i am on the press corner he's not 
you know? So like I said, I, I'm, I'm saying that it wasn't just, it wasn't just him coming in and hitting at the right situation. It was the right people developing him from Shadon to Mike Joseph and, and putting this way and Jordan Leslie saying, okay, well, we're going to make certain calls where, you know, I'm not going to put him in a bad situation either. So sure. again, I think it's a collaborative and, and it is something that does parallel because again, don't ask somebody to do something they're incapable of doing. Bottom line. So that's you, how easy it is. You were with the, that's, that's well said. And you were with the Cowboys when, when you guys drafted Micah Parsons and this bears mm -hmm. on this conversation, when you drafted Micah Parsons, as I understand it, you were really after a corner in that draft <laughs> yeah. and the top couple corners that you targeted were taken. So Micah Parsons, not because of lack of talent, but he was plan B at a, from a need standpoint, right? But Micah Parsons is going to be a standout irrespective of what you do with him. But what this guy did, what Dan Quinn found a way to do was really weaponize him and make him a standout at four or five different spots. That's the Dan Quinn factor. So mm -hmm. when you talk about Shadon Brown, you talk about Jordan Leslie, do you see, and this is the first internal roster question, do you see somebody on West Virginia on the defensive side of the, of the football from a versatility standpoint it doesn't have to be on the back end, wherever it might be that you can do some pretty cool things with and get creative. And maybe that's one of the off season projects that, that the staff might be working towards. You know, I think that, um, I think you may see something done with Aubrey Burks that may surprise you. Okay. Later on. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing Trotter play. I really am. I've heard really good things about him. He's worked his tail off to get where he needs to be. Um, you know, versatility, you know, maybe a little bit of Ty French, you know, because he, he's played inside and he's played outside and he's blitzed from both, both spots. Um, you know, I'd prefer to see him coming off the edge, you know, because he's getting bigger, faster, and stronger already. Um, but those are the ones, like I said, I'm not going to say surprise you, but, you know, that I'm kind of looking forward to see what they're going to do, you know, because I think we're better athletically, you know, right now than we were before. Just I French might be a price. case in point. I mean, we'll get into some personnel here in a minute, but uh, real quick with Ty French, weren't some some teams prioritizing him as a Mike backer? Yes, because he played yeah, Mike more. Than with him. Yeah, and he's going to be he's going to be an edge player for us. So that that speaks to the versatility yes. there. But all right, jumping topics, we're going to get into some personnel with him. Owen, I think people need to hear this story. First of all, you talked about you've traveled for the better part of eighteen years with the Cowboys, definitely mm -hmm. fourteen straight. I, I, I might come to you the next time I go on vacation because I want to know how many Marriott reward points you actually have in the bank. I mean, that's, that's one of the questions I would have. But share the story about getting pulled over. There's a Penn State slash Auburn connection. Uh, the conversation that took place with the officer that pulled you over. Walk, walk us through that. I think people would enjoy hearing that. Uh, I flew into State College, and there's sometimes where you can't actually – get back out of the same airport or you have to kind of continue down the road and you'll do a one-way rental. And so I pull into, you know, I fly into Penn state and, you know, it was going to be a one, it was going to be a one-way rental. And the young man, you know, said, Oh, you work for the Cowboys. And I said, yes, sir. And he goes, okay. He said, I got your car. He said, I only have one. That's a one-way rental. Right. I go, okay. And I didn't really truly know until I walked out to the parking lot. Um, you guys need to look this one up. Okay. It was a Chevy Cobalt. Okay. Oh. 
It was one of the worst little cars that I've ever seen in my entire life. It had <laughs> seriously manual windows that I had to roll up and no cruise control at all. Okay. Yeah. And I was driving this all the way to Auburn and then back to Atlanta to fly out like nine days later. Okay. <laughs> so I drove that little, you know, POS. Okay. All the way down. <laughs> and I'm grumpy the whole way, the whole way. And I am dog cussing this young kid out like you wouldn't believe. I'm going like, okay, yeah, I know he's a Steeler fan. He's kicking my ass and all that. Sorry about the language. Um, so I'm just outside of Auburn. And I'm riding behind this truck. And all of a sudden, this trooper lights me up. And I go, I go, I'm not speeding. So I'm not doing anything wrong. And, you know, he pulls me over and he says, you know, he says, you were tailgating. And I said, um, I didn't really realize I was following that close to the semi. And he goes, well, what are you here for? He said, I see you got out of state plates. I said, well, I said, I'm going to Auburn. And he said, for what? And I said, well, I said, I scout for the Cowboys and, and I'm going to evaluate some players there, right? And he says, oh, he said, so you scout for the Cowboys, huh? I said, yes, sir. He said, could I get your license and a business card? And I said, okay. Well, this guy goes back to his car and I go, this guy is really going to write me a ticket. <laughs> this, took, this, took like, this took like 15 minutes. And then I see another trooper pull up behind him. And I went, oh no. I go, what the hell That's is never going good. on? That's never good. Yeah, I was like, okay. I mean, are they going to search me? What are they going to do? Right. And the first trooper was probably about six foot tall, you know, white guy. And the next one that rolls up is about a six four black guy, right? The other trooper. And he goes, he goes to the passenger side instead of going to the driver's side. And he knocks on my passenger window, right? And I have to lean over and unwind that damn window. Okay. For this trooper, okay. And he goes, he goes, so, um, he said, so you scout for the Cowboys, huh? And I said, yes, sir. I do. He said, what the hell is wrong with Tony Romo? He's my damn fantasy team. <laughs> and I went, I said, I gotta be honest with you. I said, I scout him. I said, I don't coach him. Right. <laughs> And he said, but what's wrong with him? He says, is it the women in his life? I said, I, said, I really don't know. And he goes, he just kind of carried the conversation just a little bit. But then he goes, he goes, yeah, and one more damn thing. He said, tell Jerry to rent you a real damn car next time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, perfect, right. you know, perfect segue. Yeah. Drew, yeah. the car you're currently driving, the vehicle you're currently driving came from where? Uh, came from Texas. Right. I thought it came from Toothman Ford. Uh, no, that's my wife's. That's your my wife's. Go okay. There we go. Yes, my wife gave Jr. A shout out there. There we go. Okay, yes. your wife's. No, Jr. Okay. did us right because put it this way, uh, with where we live, if we wouldn't have had that vehicle, neither one of us would have been going to work. Okay, because okay. you darn sure need four wheel drive to get out of this place now, and yeah. mine is yeah. capable. So we carpooled it for like all the snow days. You know. And it wasn't easy, you know, but yes, JR took very good care of us. We have a, we have a new Yukon. Does. Hers. That is not mine. Trust me. That is hers. Okay. And, okay. And I knew, I knew there was an Yukon. connection. She loves her Yukon. So let's, let's dovetail into to a, one final cowboy part here. This is a give and take question. Uh, the situation, oh boy, time gets away from us now. It's been a decade now. 
since Johnny Manziel was drafted. Well, that draft, you guys were parked somewhere in the mid-teens, and you were targeting a defender. You had three defenders you were after. I think it was Aaron Donald, Ryan Shazier, and Anthony Barr. And you were targeting those defenders. Meanwhile, Jerry Jones is sitting in the room just enamored, enamored of Johnny football. All the thoughts are going through his head about what it might look like if Johnny football comes out of Texas Stadium or comes out of Jerry World. So what ends up happening, all three defenders are selected ahead of you. Matter of mm-hmm. fact, Chase here might have been a pick ahead of you by the Steelers. You're sitting there at 16. The staff sticks together and decides, hey, Zach Martin, offensive line out of Notre Dame, that's our pick. Much to the chagrin of Jerry Jones, he wasn't happy about it initially. He got right with it. But there, there was a lot of give and take with that conversation. Obviously, the Zach Martin pick turned out to work out pretty well for you guys. But the give and take from your owner being in the room wanting one thing, this collaborative effort from the staff being you know, confident enough to look the owner in the face and say, look, our pick, even despite those three defenders being picked who are option A, this is the option B we know works best for us. Talk about the give and take that had to take place in the NFL in the war room and the give and take that also has to necessarily take place at the college level and staff meeting. Well, I can tell you this. Um, Jerry and Stephen are very involved in the war room. Very. Um, you know, Stephen helped a great deal to twist it back to Zach Martin. Um, and the one thing I can tell you why Jerry Jones is an incredible businessman is because he listens. He listens to everybody. And he threw things back on me that I had said three years previous, right? I'm like, well, you said, and I was like, you know, that's pretty darn impressive. Him and remember that, you know, um, it, it is a collaborative and it became a collaborative. And here's the one thing that we started to do that was later in my career there, the higher the pick, the safer the pick had to be. Okay. And the off field character, of Johnny Manziel probably took everybody away from that and said, this won't work in Dallas, right? The behavior, right? Yeah. And Zach Martin is one of the cleanest, you know, best character guys you've ever seen and ever been around. Um, And it worked out quite well. Um, The collaborative in, you know, in a staff room has got to be a lot of the same types of things. But it also has to be some people that aren't afraid to say what they need to say. And Neil's good about that. He doesn't, he may get mad at you, but, you know, he's going to listen. And, you know, and again, if it's best for the team, he'll, he'll run with it. If it's not, he's the head coach. He can do whatever he wants, you know. So, but it is a collaborative because I think that if you're a leader and, you know, you want to make things best for your team, I think you have to listen to everybody because if you, if you think they're good enough to hire, why wouldn't they be good enough to listen to? So that's, I guess I'm trying to answer your question as best I can, because again, I I got a great deal of, I got a great deal of respect for the Joneses and there's a reason why they're very good businessmen and they've been very successful is because they listen. They really do. And, and trust me, they're good at remembering too. Now they got a good memory now. So it serves them well. Yes. All right. So you scouted a ton of players, thousands upon thousands upon thousands mm-hmm. of players through the years. 18 years, a long time, a lot of players, a lot of 40s, a lot of hotel rooms. Give us your favorite West Virginia Mountaineer that you scouted. 
Carl Joseph. Carl Joseph. And yes. why is that? Um, because I like – Killed a man like, in Texas? Well, I like secondary guys that hunt. And I, I think you guys know exactly what I mean by hunting. You know, he wasn't sitting back waiting. He was hunting. And, yes. you know, he was productive on the ball. He lit people up. He had good instincts. He was better down than he was on the roof, right? Um, which I think that's where he ended up playing more, was it strong than he was at free in the NFL. Yeah. Um, I liked the demeanor. He was kind of a quiet, kind of assassin kind of guy. Um, liked him when we brought him in for the 30 visit. Um, he would have been a great fit for us. Um, but he was, he was my favorite just because, quite honestly, I like violence. You know, I do. You know, that describes game Carl. of football, Drew. He's got some. He's yes. got some violence on his tape, without a doubt. That's the yeah, game of football. It's it's losing that. You know what I mean? That's right. That's right. I mean, you, you you know, he can't do what he used to do. You know, I mean, you just you just can't anymore. But you know, like I said, he he was my favorite. And I like I said, I came through here probably ten times in probably eighteen years. You know, and I I did write a lot of players, and there were a lot of my life. Um, you know, there were some that I was like, okay, what am I here for? You know, because I'm really not going to, we're really not going to take them. But I still had to come through just to, just to go through that process. So the job. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go word association speed round as we, oh, we have some other things to talk about, but we're going to start winding down. Okay. Oh, I'm trying to make it easy on you from a portal additions standpoint. Okay. okay. I mean, we could send a, spend a half hour on each one of these kids because I know how passionate you are about the additions that we've made. Uh, I'm just going to throw some names at you. You give me a sentence or two of quick thoughts. Cornerback okay. Aiden Garns out of Duquesne, who's now a Mountaineer. Instinctive. Okay. Great eyes. Okay. Going to be productive on the ball. How's that? Cornerback TJ Crandall out of Colorado State, who's now a Mountaineer. Uh, very good vision, uh, long, um, can develop into a solid, you know, all-around corner. You're excited to see both those guys in spring ball and live rep. Linebacker Reed Carrico out of Ohio State. Looking forward to seeing what he can do um, because there wasn't a lot of tape. Um, he is willing. He's smart. He's tough. Um We'll just have to wait and see what he does in pads because, again, I haven't seen much of him. Okay. We mentioned him earlier. Edge, Ty French, Gardner-Webb. What do you see this kid doing? Uh, explosive. Um, this is going to be a terror off the edge. He's going to have to get chipped or he's going to be a foul. It's not his job, but in space, can he hold his own even to the boundary, things like that? Yeah. That's not his job. Yeah, but I'm, I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you this, and and I used to think the same thing because I coached linebackers for a long time, yeah. and then finally, you know, I kept saying, and Bill goes, I mean Parcells, he goes, he goes, you know, he says, drop into the damn numbers ten yards deep is really not that damn hard, right? He said well, it guess, really yeah. isn't. He said so. Don't he said don't overestimate, you know, space ability with pass rush ability. He said it doesn't really flip and matter. He said, these guys are here to end drives, not to, you know, cover a flipping back out of the backfield. So, you know, and again, I know he's going to have to do it here and there, but he, his life is going to be rushing the passer. So keep going. Speaking of rushing the passer, defensive line out of Troy, TJ Jackson. He's already 270-plus, isn't he? You talk about versatility. What, what can he bring? He can bring, like you said, he can bring sub rush, plus he can, on the move now, 
he's really, really explosive and he can change direction really, really well. Um, the defense that he was playing in was really close to what we do, which is going to be good for him because he'll be ahead of the game. He'll put a lot of pressure on a lot of players that are already here. Locker room alpha, right? Yes. Like that. Big bodied wide receiver at Oklahoma State, Jaden Bray. Uh, and again, I, I'll, I think I told you this. Um, my little two terms, okay? He fits. And it came from Monty Kiffin, right? <laughs> big, and, big and fast, like right? I like and it. He's big and fast. He works hard. He's a little bit raw. Um, he's going to get better as a route runner. Um, but to have two long outside receivers, you're going to have to deal with us a little bit differently now. Offensive line out of Jack State, West Virginia kid, Xavier Bosley. Um, did a good job at that level. Um, he needs to develop um, with Mike Joseph, and he's got a chance to start eventually. Same approach. Uh, we're we're going to stick with the speed round. We're going to talk about some current kids on the roster that are back. What do you see as the next step for some of these kids? Cole Taylor, tight end. Um, is needs to improve on his blocking uh, to be a more complete tight end and his ability to get in and out of his routes. Um, see, I'm here we go again. I, I'm punching holes in everybody. That's your so job. Gonna, That's why we're asking. Gonna, see, now you're going to, everybody's going to say, well, he's really negative about everybody. No, I'm not. Honest right reviews. Yeah. Honest. That's right. Hey, that's Wyatt gold Milo. for gold, man. Just, just assume, just assume that before all of these, Drew is saying in his mind, with all due respect, right? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Drew and that. I talk about these I kids. I just go. He has plenty of positive things to say about all these kids. I Trust do. me, I've heard. It, all right. Oh yeah, I'm this asking is quick and dirty luck. though. This is to go to the league, go to the next level, be elite. Right. I mean, I love this. Left tackle, White Milan. Uh, needs to improve his core strength and his lower strength. Um, he needs to improve his posture and his set. And he will be a very complete player that will play 10 years in the league. Next step for both Jaheim and CJ at running back. Uh, Jaheim needs to improve his pass protection. Um, needs to be uh, even a bigger factor out in space as a receiver. Uh, CJ is coming off the surgery. He needs to run like a big man. You talked about Trotter. Let's uh, get a quick hit. What do you think the next step for the two young backers? Ben Cutter, Trey Latham. Ben Cutter needs to improve in space. He needs to improve his flexibility, uh, more coverage, more than, than versus the run. He got better versus the run. Um, and Latham's just coming off of, you know, his leg. Um, he's going to have to really concentrate on his lower flexibility and improving in coverage. But that's we where – go ahead. Perfect. Uh, let, let's jump to Garrett. We saw sack avoidance, ball security, big plays, ability to extend plays. Uh, we talk about when we talk about quarterbacks, accuracy, anticipation, poise, uh, toughness, intelligence. I mean, you and I have compared our lists. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about from an accuracy standpoint. We've seen the touch there. He just doesn't call on it. I, I don't understand that, Drew. It's like sometimes he will drop it in the bucket, like the seven cut to Jaheim against Cincinnati. That was a touch throw but he doesn't do it. Why, why does it only show up in spurts? What does he need to do to take the next step? Because I see him having an incredible, incredible season in 24. I just think he needs to understand that not every throw needs to be a fastball. He needs to be able yeah. to throw a change. And yeah. I think, I think he started to get better, but still 
everybody says, you know, that, hey, the deep balls were, you know, really, you know, accurate. You know, they really weren't. You know, he just, he hit a few here and there, but there was a lot of flat balls. And I think it comes from his release and his lower, lower overstrides and understrides, you know, which he'll, he'll, he'll progress with. So, hey, you so know, he's again, adjusted. You're, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. But it, and what it, does again, it say? The biggest thing is touch. He hasn't, he hasn't developed consistent touch. That's right. I think the key word's consistent because that's what's frustrating. Yeah, there absolutely. are certain throws I saw him make that you're just like, wow, that's dropping it in the trash can from 25 yards away, but it's just not always there. What does it say about the program at large, the culture of the program, that we've been able to retain our top two in both those rooms we just talked about? We're bringing back Garrett. I tell you what, the fact that Nico is so all in to this football team is instrumental and massive that we can bring two quarterbacks of that caliber back. And the same can be said for CJ and Jaheim. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, now with CJ and Jaheim, it's kind of that, you know, we, we always used to say you need one pounder and you need one change of pace. Game. And that's where they kind of fit. You know, they're kind of the yin and yang as far as that goes. Um, that's why I think they can coexist because they kind of know their carries, right? Um, can't say enough about, you know, Nico being a flipping total team player and developing more every flipping day. Um, you know, he's got all the traits to be very, very successful. I mean, you know, big and fast, right? Um, you want to talk about a great arm. I mean, he can drop it in, you know, he can drive it. Um, you know, the one thing he just needs to understand the offense better and process things quicker. Um, but to keep him around was huge because, you know, he can walk in and win a game, you know, easily if Garrett goes down. And, you know, and again, the, the one thing I'd like to have is I'd like to have somebody behind him too coming up young, you know, and be the, and be the same kind of team player that he is because, you know, hey, if, if, if Garrett goes down, Nico takes over. If, you know, when Garrett's done, it's Nico's team. And I think he knows that, which, you know, he'll be successful when that, when that time comes. This would have been impressive in any era, but in this era, with kids running away from any ounce of adversity, him bear hugging it. I just, I just feel like once he gets on the other side of this, when it is his, it's going to make him bulletproof. So let's, let's stick to the same speed round. Mm -hmm. Draft Zach Frazier. You see that rapidly say, I, changing. I was about to butt in here and say we've, we're we over yeah. 60 minutes here and we haven't gotten Drew's thoughts on Zach Frazier. I, I, I wanted to there make sure go. we there got this go. in. This doesn't have to oh. be as quick of a fire here, Drew. I got to hear your no, thoughts this, on our this, guy, this Zach. Was, this, this was really easy. Um, when, I, when I evaluated him right there in August, you know, I said, I said he's at the top of the third round, right? And I said, you know, he does, he's not great uh, at the second level because he doesn't finish his feet with his hands. He'll get in contact and he just never finished his feet. Um, you know, which, you know, he wasn't sustaining at the second level, but I told him that like week two and he started working on it. He started, you know, because he's very coachable. I mean, great character works his tail off. I mean, day in and day out. Uh, what I like about him is his upper body torque because I love wrestlers, you know, it's because of the balance factor. Um, I told him, I said, you know, I said, once you go down and I tried to help him prepare for you know, the interview process down at the senior bowl and what's going to happen at the combine and just to have him understand what they're looking for. Um, I said, you know, heck, I said, once the people get to know him, I said, he's going to go with probably 
if you want one and you need one, he's probably going in the top of the second. I don't think he gets through the middle of the second round now just because people know what he is. And, you know, the people kept coming up to me, scouts go, is it really true? You know, is everybody really in love with this kid? Is he really all that? Go, yeah, he really is. And again, if you, if, if you want a pure professional already, he's already there. Now, will he, will he run that room? Maybe not, but he'll be an integral part of it, and he'll make all the calls. He'll make all the mic IDs. He'll change the protection. He's smart enough, tough enough, and guess what? He'll start for a long time. He will, you know, barring injury. And him hopping off the field and being that, <laughs> being that aware of the situation speaks volumes of what he is, not just toughness-wise, but just awareness-wise mm-hmm. of this game. So I tried, not, I tried to make it as short as I could, but no, I really, I, I, I like the young man a lot. I really do. And we figured out how to, yeah, we figured you know, how to get rid of the Reaper. You talk about yeah. Zach Frazier and the Reaper goes away, right? Well, you know what's <laughs> funny, though, is, I mean, I did tell you the negatives right off the bat, though, didn't I? Yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. That's yeah. true. Okay, so speaking of negatives, all right, one thing that I asked you to do, I mm-hmm. texted you a couple days ago, and we were coordinating <laughs> this. Here comes some fun, guys. Oh, I was going to say, right, this, is said, a good hey, way, this is a good way to wrap this thing. <laughs> just imagine, I mean, we'll, we'll bring Drew back on, because he and I want to talk big picture college football stuff, but at some point, we just got to wrap this up, right? But I texted Drew a couple of days ago, and I said, hey, this will be fun. And I shot him like a 13-minute highlight video. I said, just imagine if it's 2008, you got your scouts cap on, what would you have had to say in your scouting assessment, your scouting eval of fullback Owen Schmidt coming out of West Virginia? What would and that you, have looked like? Do you remember? Ten minutes you later, remember? he calls me. I don't need do you, to do it. I already have it. <laughs> he said, I, I did do that. I, I scouted did. the kid. So, Drew, <laughs> let's hear it. Well, first thing, um, this is going to be a little bit of comic relief, Owen, because, again, in 2008, you were close to being a dinosaur then. Okay. Yeah. You are, you are an incredible dinosaur now because there may be two teams that even carry a fullback. Right. Well, knowing, knowing how I wrote you before, I was like, you know, prototype ISO fullback. Now I don't know. I don't know how many people will understand when I say ISO fullback. Right. But an isolation fullback is you're going to take that linebacker and you're going to dish his ass as deep as you can, as hard as you can, and open up the hole vertically, okay? Not horizontally, but vertically, right? That's what Owen Schmidt was, okay? And, you know, for and, I'm, and again, I'm giving a negative here, right? The shorter, the shorter arms kind of hurt you as a pass receiver because it kind of pulled you off balance, right? Because when balls were outside of your frame, it, it kind of screwed you, right? But you had good hands. Um, you weren't good laterally in the adjusts, okay, at the second level, right? But if he got a hold of you now, you were just displaced big time. And <laughs> actually actually a pretty good runner too. Um, physical runner, kind of what I was talking about with CJ. He ran big and did not take it as, you know, hey, I'm not going down with an arm tackle. I'm not going down with a side tackle. You know, you're going to have to bring at least two or three to bring me down. Um, you know, I think I remember that I said you had like two teams value, okay, just because of kind of the lack of lateral ability, you know, in space. 
but you would have been, like I said, you'd have been a typical prototype ISO fullback if people would have wanted you in that role, which not many teams have that role anymore, you would have fit perfectly. So hope I'll that take wasn't, it as a compliment. I, well, you should. And of course like you said, did. Yeah. There's, there's, <laughs> there's not many, there's not many of them. And again, what I say, you're a dinosaur now. Oh yeah. 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 So hope that, hope that, like I said, I, that was very constructive, but that's exactly what I saw when I was when I was here writing. I love it. So, I love it. You were a my, uh, my grandfather would agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> well, good, good. So next next time we'll have you scout Drew, Owen. That's what we'll do. We'll, we'll flip oh, it no, around. Oh, no, hey, I was a reject. Man. <laughs> I was a straight reject. You know? Short little guy got. I was going to say, I, I don't want to hear what Drew has to say about me. I I, I really don't. You know, it's. Uh, really I, don't. I don't think I don't. I don't think I could look in a mirror after it was over. You know, I was like, "Holy cow!" No, my 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 coach might be coming down here for um, the clinic. Joe Panunzio, he's up with the with the Eagles. He was my position coach in college, right? Is that right? He may be coming, he may be coming down for the clinic. Yeah, because oh, that'd be like, really cool. Yeah, yeah, that'd and be he'll really tell cool. You, I, was, I was a little guy that got busted up. It was pretty good to start out with, but once I got busted up, I was done. You know, so you know again. <laughs> I'm very self-aware. Very. You always tell sure. Garrett, you got to be smart, right? You got to yeah, be smart. No, no, self-preservationist, I always say. Yeah. Be a self-preservationist. Yeah. Stay out of the way of those things, you know? That's right. They Let's stay let out you of close with this. Pardon? Let's let you close with this. Okay. I've heard you discuss how much you appreciate the fandom at West Virginia, West Virginia football. You talked about the pit game. You ranked it right up there with the Iron Bowl, right up there with Tennessee, Georgia. How impressed you were by the environment at Mountaineer Field when we smoked those Panthers. So talk to the fans directly. That's who listens to this podcast about what they mean to what you guys are building in Morgantown. I'll tell you what, um, what they can bring is they, I don't even think they know. I mean, not so much the, just the audible level of it, but when they're in the game and they're on top of when they should be very audible and loud and everything else, it brings energy to everybody on that field. And I don't think they know that, but those kids, they feed off of it. They really do. And, and I love how passionate these people are, you know, because again, it's, it's not just, you know, Hey, we're going to the game. No, we're going to the game, you know, and they're showing up like, <laughs> like a 10, you know, for a seven o'clock game. And, you know, they're out there getting lubed up, getting ready. And, you know, you can tell. And just like the old hats that show up in the end zone, just like everybody that's around, I mean, you can feel it. But I'd like to be able to have that atmosphere there every single flipping there week. You, you know, because, there you again, they have no idea what it does to those kids. And when you're on the sideline, you can kind of see it. And once it starts rolling and they start feeling it, they start making plays because what's funny is these kids, it's weird. This year was like somebody was waiting to make a play. I said this to you on the sideline, I think. I said, yep, you know, yep, I said, you sure did. they're just waiting for somebody to make a play. Well, once somebody made that play, well, then the whole place erupted and then the whole team erupted. And then that's when we started stoking, you know, the fire. And like I said, I hope these people understand how important they are and what they've done because it's real. I mean, it really is. And when they're on pace and they're doing, 
and they're getting loud when they need to get loud. I mean, hey, it's it's second and long, third and long. I mean, you know, how many procedure penalties they get? Like four. I mean, yeah. it needs to be like that every single flipping week. And and again, if we're successful, which I which I feel we're going to be, it'll just keep feeding on each other. It really will. And we're I, and trying to acquire talent. You have kids yeah. at those games. I mean, that has such a massive impact on helping you do that part of your job. Yeah. Yeah. And put it this way, just like when everybody sticks around, you know, for country roads, everybody sticks yeah. around late in the game. They're, they're not leaving, you know, they're there. I mean, that shows those kids that it's really important to these people. Well, what I'm trying to tell the people that are going to those games, it's important to the kids. It really is. And I hope they understand that. You know, and I'd like I said, I'd love to see it like Pittsburgh every flipping week because you have no idea what the, how that affects other teams. No idea. Because it's, it, it's, it's hard. I mean, everybody will tell you that to play. You know, not just here, but a home crowd that gets into it will actually affect the game. Heck, that's why, put it this way, why do you think that bookies usually give three points mm -hmm. to the home team? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Right? It's not That's because true. you play better at home. It's because the crowd has an effect and you yeah. do play better at home when a crowd is, is truly, you know, part of the game. So again, you see, you see even, well, if it's even, well, then the, the underdog isn't a very good football team. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, but again, I, I, I said too much, but it, like I said, uh, that's, no, that's three no minutes for the time capsule right there. That's what that is guys. That yeah. was, that was a, a beautiful way to wrap this up. That was perfect. Uh, yeah, once we wrap up spring ball, get things sorted through with the next round of portal acquisitions and additions, and we'll, we'll bring you back around because this is exactly the type of stuff that people eat with such a big spoon. I mean, fans can't get enough of this type of content because you bring an insight. First of all, it's, it's new age. Uh, it hasn't been going on that long. People are still trying to wrap their heads around what exactly uh, a guy like you would do. And, and I think people are starting to appreciate the tremendous value that you confer upon a, a team like the Mountaineers. It's it's amazing. The role that you play is as critical as anybody's on the staff. And we got a great staff put together under Neil Brown. Yeah. But but yes. uh, it's so great having you on here. We'll double back and bring you back again when there's more to talk about following the spring. But but guys, this has been awesome. Well, yeah, it's Drew, really appreciate it, man. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. And like I said, at, at any time, like I said, just yell at me. We'll try to try to make it work out later. Okay. Absolutely. All right. Now I'm gonna go. Now I'm gonna go eat some pasta. I'm gonna have a little bit of wine. Okay. So just let you know. I love enjoy. it. Enjoy your night, big dog. Oh, oh, by the way, we need to tell you. Hey, Drew. Yes, sir. The last the last guest we had on this show, wouldn't you know it? A week later, he's on Jimmy Kimmel. So you better be ready. Who knows what's had, coming had, for you? Yeah, it's, we uh, had Charles. We had Charles Wesley Godwin on last week, and you know now you. he's now he's going on Jimmy Kimmel. So who knows? Fallon yeah, might be go, calling yeah. you in a few days, or Conan. You know, so have your phone well, on. <laughs> well, what was funny is I, I told I told Jed Washington uh, the Commanders want me to go on their podcast. You know, for Dan and, and Joe yep. Witt. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna tell Crazy you one thing. Um, we went to the baseball kickoff. And mm -hmm. Charles was incredibly cordial to myself and my wife. And I told Blaine that. I said, thank him for that because he did a great job with his performance there. And what a great dude. What a great oh, dude. Oh, man. One of a kind. Yeah. yeah. Great dude. Well, sure. so, we've had, you know, we've had some, uh, we've had some A-listers here this off season. Oh, 
uh, Drew Fabianich, another one of those. Drew, thank you so much for the time. Uh, we'll yes, talk pleasure. again soon, and I can't wait for you to see that crowd come to life by itself August 31st when those Penn State Nittany Lions come to town as well, too. That's going to be yes. bonkers. That's going to be yes. bonkers. That'll do it for this edition of ITG. Thanks, everybody. The one thing we ask of you before we go, as always, is to be an ear and tell an ear about your new favorite WVU football podcast. For Drew Fabianich, the signal caller Jed Drenning, and the runaway beer truck Owen Schmidt, I'm Wesley Euler. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. You've been in the gun. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.